thanks for tuning in this week to Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church plant located in the Pasadena area. It is our mission to save the lost, to equip the saved, to serve both the lost and the saved, and finally to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting from the beginning of a book and working our way through all the way till the end. It is our prayer that you would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ through his word. Well, this morning we're going to be celebrating one of my favorite Christian ceremonies, and that is baptism. And uh, we have four people that are going to get baptized this morning. They're all up here in the front. We got uh, Joy and Erica, Yitzel and David. And uh, some of you here this morning might not understand why we as Christians baptize people, you know, why we immerse them in water. And, and, you know, I've thought about that. I can see how it might seem kind of weird to someone who doesn't have any concept or clue of, you know, why we're doing this and, you know, what's the point point? Why are you dunking people? What's the purpose? Is it some kind of bath? Is it some kind of punishment? I mean, all sorts of thoughts, I'm sure, come to people's minds. Uh, I remember years ago, I was speaking to a guy in college, and uh, he wasn't a Christian, and we were discussing baptism. He brought it up, and you know, he said, you know, I, I kind of see baptism uh, like my fraternity days here in college, where you know, I had to do these weird things in order to get into the fraternity, uh, and he started sharing all these weird things, and I said, well, what's the, the weirdest or worst thing? And he said, well, actually, uh, they got this huge pile of manure uh, and they made us tunnel through it with our bare hands and then lick our fingers when we were done and I said well that would be the time that I would say forget this fraternity I'm finding a new one but uh, his point was you know we had to do these weird and crazy things in order to get into the fraternity and he thought well that's just baptism it's a weird and crazy thing that Christians do in order to kind of you know associate themselves with Christianity and so uh, we got some time to talk I got to share with him what baptism is why we do it its purpose and he realized oh, okay it's nothing like his fraternity experience and I'm sure Uh, The four here this morning are very pleased that we're just dunking them in water and not asking them to tunnel through manure. But um, so... I want to start just this morning kind of explaining, you know, what is baptism? Why do we do it? Who's to do it? Uh, so that we're all on the same page as we move into the next part of the ceremony where we have them come up uh, and actually get baptized. And so let's start by answering uh, the first question, what is baptism? You know, in basic terms, baptism is an outward action that symbolizes an inward change, commitment, and relationship that you already have with Jesus Christ. You know, it's kind of like a wedding ring. Um, when someone gets married, they, they put this wedding ring on, but, you know, that wedding ring isn't, you know, I put it on and now I just started a relationship with you. No, it's symbolic of the fact that we've already had a relationship. We already fell in love. You know, now we're just making this commitment to one another. And so it's this symbol of a relationship that we already have and this commitment, you know, that we are now, you know, sharing in front of people that we're making towards one another. And so, you know, in the same way, when you get baptized, it's this public symbol of a relationship that you already have with Jesus, that you've already accepted him, that you already love him, and you're just wanting to publicly share that commitment to him and that relationship with him. And so baptism is not something that saves you. It's not something that gives you a relationship with Jesus. It's something that follows salvation. It follows a relationship with Jesus. You already have that, and then you get baptized. In Luke chapter 23, the thief on the cross, you know, he's next to Jesus and they have this conversation. And I want you to to note what happens because um, we're told that then he, being the thief, said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Notice that the thief 
you know, he's there. He says, Lord, you know, basically he puts his faith in Jesus. Jesus says, today will be with me in paradise in heaven. And the thief never got baptized, but yet um, he was saved. And so baptism doesn't save you. It's an outward symbol that tells people you already have a relationship with Jesus and you're already committed to following Jesus. So that's what baptism is. The next question I want to cover is who should get baptized? You know, every person that we see in Scripture, and that's always what we want to come back to. What does you know, the Bible share with us? What does the Bible reveal to us? And every single individual that you see baptized in Scripture, every example that you have, it's someone who already had accepted Jesus as their Savior. Here is an example, Acts chapter 8, verse 12. It says this, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Notice here that people got baptized after they believed in the message of Christ, after they believed in who Jesus was, after that salvation transpired, then they went and they got baptized. And that's what we see with every single example in the Bible with people getting baptized. It always follows someone who has first placed their faith in Jesus and who he is and what he's done for our sin, asking for his forgiveness. That's always the pattern that we see. And so when we ask the question, who should get baptized well only people who have accepted Jesus who have placed their faith in Jesus who have asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins it is those people that then should be baptized this is why in our church we don't baptize babies because babies aren't old enough to comprehend and understand you know what Christ has done for them to make that commitment to him uh, and therefore you know we have you know different age kids come to that place at different times and so whenever someone is of an age where they can comprehend what Christ has done and make that decision to follow Follow him, then we are happy to baptize them. So baptism is an outward action that symbolizes an inward change, commitment, and relationship you already have with Jesus. And the people who should get baptized are those who have first accepted Christ and asked for his forgiveness for their sins. So that is what baptism is. That is who should get baptized. But then, you know, the real question a lot of people ask, well, well, why? Well, why do Christians do it? I kind of get, you know, what it is and who should do it. But but why is it that Christians do it? And so I just want to cover three main reasons why we as Christians get baptized. The first reason is out of obedience to Jesus. The second reason is to publicly show their commitment to Jesus. And the third reason is to identify with Jesus. So the first reason that we as Christians get baptized is out of obedience to Jesus. Jesus' last words to his followers are recorded for us in Scripture. And I want you to note what they are. It's a command to those who follow him. Matthew 28 Verses 19 and 20, Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So notice here that Jesus, one of his commands to those who follow him is a command to baptize people. After they've come to a recognition of who Jesus is, you you should baptize them. Notice Jesus doesn't suggest this. He doesn't say, you know what, if you have time, this would be nice. And, you know, if you really want to, it would be great. No, this is a command. He says, this is what my followers should do. And so in obedience to Jesus Christ as Christians, this is something that we do because we want to obey him. And so that's the first reason. And really, that's the only reason that we need as Christians. 
Christians to do it is because Jesus told us to. But there are some other important reasons as well. Uh, the second reason we get baptized is to publicly show our commitment to Jesus. So during this baptism ceremony, Joy and Erica Etzel and David, you know, they're making a public commitment, a public, you know, demonstration to all of us that not only have they accepted Jesus, but that they are committed to living for Jesus. And as a symbol of that commitment, they're going to be fully immersed in water. Now, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like a wedding ring. You see, you know, I wear this ring and and it's a symbol, the fact that I have a commitment to my wife. And so when people look at my hand and they see my wedding ring on there, they recognize I'm taken. They recognize it's a symbol that I'm married, that I'm in a relationship, that most likely I made a vow that says till death do us part. And so, you know, it's a symbol of that reality, of that commitment that I've made to my wife. And in the same way, baptism is this symbol, this outward demonstration demonstration that says, you know what, I have a commitment to Jesus and I want to live for Jesus until I die. That is my heart's desire. And that is one of the things that all of those getting baptized this morning are wanting to share with you of, hey, we have a commitment to follow Jesus and we want everyone to know that. So the first reason why we get baptized is to obey Jesus. The second reason is just for a public, you know, um, demonstration to show commitment to Jesus. And the third reason is to identify with Jesus. Baptism is a step of identification because we're identifying with something that Jesus has done for us. And I think this is probably the most important aspect of baptism. But in order for us to understand what it is we're identifying with when it comes to Jesus and what he's done for us, we need to take a step back and say, well, well, what is it that Jesus has done for us so that we know what it is that people getting baptized are identifying with? But before you can understand what Jesus has done for us, we have to start with a problem that all of us have. And the problem is clearly stated for us in the Bible. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible is very clear. All of us, every single one of us, no matter how good you think you are, we're all sinners. Now, I'm convinced that you know everybody has done at least something good in their life. And for other people, they've done lots of good things in their life. But that does not negate the fact that all of us still do sinful things. We're all still guilty of being sinners. Everyone is a sinner. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a sinner? You know, we, we hear that term and, and maybe you don't normally go to church and you've heard Christians claim, you know, we're all sinners. But, but what do we mean by that? Well, you know what? The, the word sin in the Bible means literally to miss the mark of God's perfect standard. There was a, a term taken from archery. Uh, when you're an archer, you're trying to what? You're trying to hit the mark. Well, what is the mark? The mark is the bullseye. You miss the bullseye, you've missed the mark. You know, you've missed what you've been targeting at, what you've been shooting at. And this is what this word is speaking about of, you know, those who have missed the mark of God's perfect standard. You see, God is the one who has established the mark. He's the one who says, this is what is my standard. And God's standard for us is perfection. He is perfect. He says, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as I am perfect. His standard for us is perfection. And the bottom line for all of us is we might try real hard. We keep shooting. We keep kind of hit that bullseye. But all of us fall short. All of us miss. All of us have missed the mark of the standard that God has established 
for us. Now, I could list a bunch of sin like murder and stealing and adultery and lying and coveting and gossip and idolatry, and the list goes on and on, and we could start thinking about where we're guilty in that. But the bottom line is, anything that we do that misses the mark of God's perfect standard is a sin. And we're all guilty of that, and that's why Romans 3.23 says, All, not some, not most, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, of that perfect standard that he has established for all of us. Well, okay, we're all sinners, so what? What has our sin done to us? Why is that a big deal? Why is that a problem for us? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. You know, a wage is something that you earn. For those of you who work, you get a wage for what you do. It's you, you earn something. And the Bible is saying the wage of our sin, what our sin has earned us, is death. Now, this is speaking of more than just a, a physical death. This is something that's much worse. It's speaking of a spiritual death, an eternal separation from God in hell. So we're faced with a huge problem, and and hopefully this picture will help you better understand the problem that each one of us face. You see, our problem is that we are sinners, and because we are sinners, there are two horrible things that happen. First, we've been separated from God. As this picture shows us, you know, we're on one side, our sin has separated us from God, and you know, we can't get to Him because of our sin. But even worse than that, the second thing is that our sin has brought God's judgment upon us. Because God is just, because He is a just judge, He must punish our sin, and the Bible reveals very clearly to us that the punishment for our sin ultimately is hell. That's the bad news. The bad news is that you and I are sinners. Our sin has separated us from God. Our sin has to be paid for. And so the payment and the judgment ultimately is hell. But fortunately for us, there is also good news. The good news is that God loves us. He loves each one of us deeply. He loves us so much that he recognized, you know what, I have a sinful world that They're separated from me because of their sin, and I have to judge their sin. And so God came up with a plan. What can I do to get those people back to me? What can I do to deal with their sin? What can I do to deal with the consequences of their sin, which is hell? And what God did is he himself sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born a man, to live a sinless life. You see, Jesus was the only one to actually do what God's perfect you know, uh, standard is. He's the only one who kept that perfect standard. And that's not the only important part of what Jesus has done. Because he kept that perfect standard, he could do for us that no one else could. He then gave his life on the cross to take our sin upon himself, to pay for our sin, and ultimately to pay the punishment that we deserve. He took the judgment of our sin upon himself. And he did that when he willingly crucified was crucified on the cross for you and me. As you can see from this picture, the cross of Jesus has bridged the gap that our sin made between us and God. The cross keeps us from the judgment of God. It enables us to have forgiveness of our sin. It enables us to have a relationship with the one that we used to be separate from. Jesus died for our sins on the cross so that we could be forgiven and that we could have a relationship with him for all eternity in heaven. 
But it didn't stop there. You know, Jesus, after he died on the cross for our sin, he was placed in a tomb for three days. And after three days, he was risen from the dead and he rose to conquer the power of sin and the power of death. And what Jesus did for our sins to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God is a free gift. He offers it to everyone, but it's something important to understand. He doesn't force it upon anyone. He just freely offers it. You have to make a choice to accept it. You have to make a choice to receive it. He doesn't say, you have to receive it. He says, here it is. It's available. You can be forgiven. Here it is. It's available. You can have a relationship with me. Here it is. It's available. You can spend eternity in heaven with me. I've made it possible. I gave my life for you, but I'm not going to force you to accept it. I'm not going to force you to accept me. I'm not going to force you to accept what I've done for you. That's a choice that each one of us have to make personally. But in order to receive this gift, the Bible just tells us we need to ask God for it. We need to accept and believe that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for our sin, that he rose from the dead to conquer sin and death. We need to ask him to forgive us of our sin, ask him to come into our life. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In order to receive God's gift of salvation and forgiveness, we must believe in Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. And that's exactly what Joy and Erica and Itzel and David have already done. They've come to that place where they recognize that Jesus is God, that Jesus died on the cross for their sin, that Jesus rose from the dead, and they have placed their faith in him. They have asked him to forgive them of their sins. They have already done that, and they're wanting to demonstrate to all of you today their commitment to Jesus and the fact that they believe in who he is. So the third reason why we get baptized is to identify with Jesus, but there's something very specific that we are identifying with Jesus when people get baptized. And we're told what that is in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Notice what it says. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, when a person is baptized, when they're immersed underwater, they're identifying with three very important things that Jesus has done for us. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. You know, when they go under the water, just like when someone's buried, it's symbolic of death. You're going under. It's like you're being buried. And that part of the baptism is symbolic of the death that we have to our old life. Because now they believe in Jesus. And that life that they lived before they believed in Jesus, that life that pursued all the sinful things, that life was very different than the life they have now, it's symbolic of that life's dead. It's going down and it's staying down. That life is done. And when they rise up out of the water, it's symbolic of a new resurrected life. A life that's now living for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Also in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, that those who should live 
should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So as Joy and Erica and Sel and David, they come out of the water, it is symbolic of the fact that their new life is now here to commit to living to Jesus, that you know, old things, the old life has passed away. Behold, now there's a new life to live for Jesus Christ. And they want to publicly declare that, hey, there's been a change. They're now living for Jesus. They didn't used to before accepting him, but now they are, and they want everyone to know it. You know what else they're declaring is that Jesus didn't just die for them. He didn't just rise from the dead to conquer their sin. He did it for everyone. The forgiveness that Joy, Eric, Hitzel, and David have received from Jesus is available for anyone who asks for it. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, believe that he's God, believe that he rose from the dead to conquer your sin and death. And the Bible promises if you do that, God will save you and he will forgive you. So the reasons why, at least three main ones, we get baptized is obedience to Jesus, to publicly show our commitment to Jesus, and to identify with Jesus. And that's exactly what Joy, Erica, Itzel, and David are doing this morning. They're being obedient to what Jesus has commanded them to do to be baptized. They are publicly showing their commitment to all of us of their willingness to follow Jesus, and they're ultimately identifying with Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, and it's a wonderful symbol to all of us. And before I start having them come up, they're going to be coming up, and they're going to share a little of their own testimony of what God has done in their life to bring them to this point. But I just want to take a moment to pray and to pray for this moment and to pray for them and to pray for this time. Uh, And then we're going to transition into having them come up uh, and we will start doing the baptism. So uh, just join me in prayer, please.